Hello and welcome to episode 348 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and high end TV and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to royally F them up in our very very humble opinion. I am Giles Alderson. I am Don Lenoir. Uh, this, as you know, is a filmmaking podcast and we are both filmmakers. After last week's wonderful shenanigans with Christopher McQuarrie, we thought we'd do a part two, didn't we, Dom? We did. We thought we'd carry on this mission impossible. We kind of put together this kind of holy trinity of story uh, and we're looking at it from a director's perspective, we're looking at it from a writer's perspective, an editor perspective and a performance. So it's kind of all of the three nuggets of basically making a good film that people care about with good characters and good writing Mm. and we're very lucky to have on the show and i'm sure you know already from seeing the headline simon pegg and rebecca ferguson as well as editor eddie hamilton it's an absolute winner of an episode Uh, they all three of them were incredible with us and we had a fantastic time. Some of Rebecca's credits include Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation and Fallout. Life, The Snowman, a magnetic performance in The Greatest Showman, Doctor Sleep, Brilliant Reminiscence, June and many more, including her brand new series Silo, which you should definitely take a look at on Apple TV. Simon Pegg, in case you don't know, is a wonderful actor. He's a producer, he is a writer and some of his credits include Shaun of the Dead, which really blew him out of the water as a leading man. Followed it up with Hot Fuzz, uh, The World's End with Edgar Wright, the three films they made as Cornetto Trilogy. He's also starred in Star Trek as Scotty, and he's starred as Benji Dunn in, shall we say, five Mission Impossible films, if we're including Dead Reckoning Part 2. Um, he's been doing it for nearly 20 years. Also, the post-production Demystified, a Zoom course for producers and directors. It is uh, Saturday, July the 22nd from 1pm UK time onwards. We have teamed up with The Cutting Room to offer a comprehensive walkthrough of the entire post-production process. More info to that is in the show notes. So let's get to it. This is Simon Pegg and Rebecca Ferguson talking to myself and Dom Lenoir. Hi, lovely to meet hey, you. Double trouble. Hi, 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 hi. Double hi. trouble, that's what we know. Come in, come in. What's yes. your t-shirt there? Uh, it's Cowboy Bebop. Oh. You're a fan of Deep Cut. I know of it. Okay, yeah, yeah. it's pretty good. And Top Gun. I mean, God, look at that. You're just a walking movie. Merchandise. merchandise. Human, human merchandise. He's a merch stand. Yes. This is fun. Do you always do things together? Yeah, yeah. a bit of a bromance going on. I love it. Just makes it more fun. It's much more fun. He's funnier than me. Sometimes. We'll be the judge of that. My, my mission yeah. impossible. I'm funnier than him. I had a Mission Impossible pun, but it's not very good, so I'm, I wasn't going to use it. You said it now, you're going to have to. Wait, you do? Mission Impossible. Yes. Ah, there we go. Podcast. Yeah. 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 See? It's shame they weren't recording, actually. I know. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we should have done. I know. Yeah. We'll have to repeat it. I might say it and then we pretend it's yeah. mine. Okay. Yes. Steal it. Steal it. Are we, are we recording? Okay, good. We should have a Mission Impossible. That was mine. <laughs> Stolen. Dash it. Pun. Sorry. It's as if you knew the podcast. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. It's, just, it? it's in us. It's in, in you. Welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast. Yeah, welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. We love the film. Honestly, Good. it was Almost fantastic. too much. Yes, almost mm. too much. Like giddy schoolboys grabbing yes. each other and saying how much we loved it. Good. And your characters in this are just so... Well, refined now, because mm. you've been in it for so long. Mm. And we, we just really felt that it came across so well. Didn't we, we are the best. Yeah, yeah, well, I wanted to say, I, the best I, I, think, I think you two really have brought so much heart to the franchise. Um, I want to start with you, Rebecca. I mean, I remember when you came into Rogue Nation, and I remember being absolutely blown away because every scene was so incredibly emotionally present. Uh, every Stop fight scene, it felt like... Just look forward. Every fight scene, it, <laughs> Sorry, it's really, it, you know. it felt like life and death. And, and even going forward to this one, it's like, you know, you've, you've captured what some people in a marriage would ca- you know, take a lifetime to sort of get in terms of romantic feelings. How do you get that presence and the spontaneity of being not predictive of what you're going to do next in a Hollywood film? Wow. It's a big one. Mm-hmm. Go for yeah. it. Take a drink. Uh, take, take a drink. Take a drink. Yeah. 
We've got eight minutes no, left. I yeah. think, no, no, a, a quick answer is McHugh, for me, from the beginning, I was offered a couple of pages, and the pages contained so much character from day one for me. There was mystery. You talk about romance, I think for me it's mystery. Mm. It's an unsolved mystery for herself. It's that constant battle, which I find interesting for all of us in the show as well, of good versus bad, selfish versus group, um, a repercussion of an event chosen by someone else, the larger picture or, or our single self. Mm. And I think that is what I love about her. It is her love for Tom, her love for Ethan, but it's also what is needed to be done. I like the fact in many scenes she kept on saying, but they cut it out, why are we doing this? Why can't we let other people do it? Why do we have to be the ones to? That's because it wasn't in the take. You were saying that about the film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why do we? <laughs> I was on such a roll. I <laughs> 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 shot down. Uh, Chris McQuarrie wrote a really good script and I acted it. That's the answer. That's, yeah. the, answer. <laughs> That's the soundbite we wanted. Thanks yeah. very much. But you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I do. Mystery, mystery. And I, I think enigmatic is definitely, it's not knowing what you're going to do next. I think that's kind of mm. one of the yeah. main things I find so exciting about your performance. And independence. She's not, you mm. know, even if there's a team, we're all kind of independent within <sighs> the team, which is mm. really important. It is. And I suppose the same for you as well, because like when we first met Benji, you'd be so surprised that he's still alive. Yeah, oh, I, I often know. am, constantly. <laughs> you know. Absolutely. How do you feel about that? And, and working with that team, like you say, and, and everything compared to something like, you know, the Sean or the hot fuzz stuff where it's still a family mm -hmm. and this is now another family I suppose well I've been lucky enough to play a character over 17 years in five different films and, and grow him as I went you know and, and have him in every film he's the product of what's just happened to him so he was a wet behind the ears lab technician terrified to even break a rule mm -hmm. and now he's a fully fledged member of the do you love me I love you I but I was thinking it. yeah you're fucking driving that <laughs> boat like there's no tomorrow yeah. <laughs> yes you did a, do no, yeah I did that boat very well very yeah. well I, 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 I am a Qualified boat driver. <laughs> Motorbikes, boats. It's I actually the same got thing. to Venice like three hours before we shot the scene when Benji's driving around the canals. Yeah. And I was taken out by Wade, our stunt coordinator, mm. taught to drive this very expensive little tick water tock, taxi. Tick-tock, you got an hour and a half. And then I was in it, you know. <laughs> wow. And I crashed the boat. Did you? Because I heard <laughs> you crash the boat. But nothing was hurt. No monuments. No. You didn't get hurt. Just eager. I, no, I just, I was trying. It's so narrow, those 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 mm, things. And when you drive Venice. a boat, you have to kind of think into the future because you do this. when they do that. Yeah. And I just scraped up against this, <gasps> this concrete jetty. I heard that entire cruise buttocks just go <laughs> like that. Yeah. Because oh, it was an Production boat. crying 300 inside. 300 grand. 300 grand. Yeah. And I crashed Out the BMW. Out of your own pocket. I was yeah. going to say, you know, that's your fee for the 17 years. Yeah. Just yeah. gone. Just go. Thank you, Cornetto. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how do you how do you go about rehearsal, sort of preparing for a character? Because you're obviously known as a as a comedy actor, but mm. there's a lot of you do a lot of sadness, yeah, you do anger. I can do you sadness have, and anger. You know, there's a real like grounding. I think you you bring to these films yeah. in these moments. Like, how do you sort of? Is it rehearsal? Do you talk to the director? How do you fit those extra moments into your character to sort of give them depth? Well, McHugh's really collaborative, isn't he? And he, he always wants us to bring our uh, parts of ourselves into the roles and. Tom and McHugh are so, everyone talks about the stunts, but it's, the thing that they really concentrate on is character because they know the stunts aren't gonna mean jack shit if you don't care about the people mm. that, that are involved in them. And so we get a lot of opportunity to kind of like, and on set, we it's don't so get true. much rehearsal time, do we? But once we're in the scene, we'll hone it and hone it and hone it until it all really works well, so. You we know, don't get rehearsal time. Mm. We also sometimes don't have, well sometimes we don't have scripts. So sometimes we get to see them act out what they think should happen, and it is a piece of art watching them work. Yeah, yeah. Simon crashes the boat, for instance. Simon yes. crashes the boat, he rocks up late, he's uh, But McHugh will be behind no, the camera and he'll go, quieter, uh, more, yeah. slightly more poignant. Yeah, and look you, down. Look down, mm. Open your part lips. your lips. <laughs> Don't blink. <laughs> Don't blink, cock your head. But other than that, we're free. Yeah. How do you find that then? Like you say, like with all the other stuff you do, and suddenly you're going into something that is just okay. Let's see what happens. Yeah. it's bonkers, mm. right? Tell us, tell Terrifying. us about that. Terrifying. Well, okay. there's always a degree of tension running alongside the actual. You know, the tension in the scene is always paired Built with the real tension. Internal tension. tension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's chaos. It's always something. I remember one scene we're in Morocco, 
on a rooftop. Once again, they cut the scene for some reason. I'm in it. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> um, and the sun is going down, and Tom is looking at me, and the camera is on me. But Tom is looking at the sun because the sun is going down. And then all of a sudden, there's a prayer, and then there's a donkey, and he's going, "Do it quicker, do it quicker, do it slower, do it slower, do this. Put your hair behind the ear." And I'm giving him this whole, "Why are we doing this?" Mm-hmm. And after a while, I went, "Stop it!" And he just burst out laughing because he knows. But we have the pressure of the world. The sun's going down. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, is, it, is it difficult fitting in those kind of technical directions when you're trying to do a sort of an, an internal so much. internal performance, really, it, above everything else? It's tricky, but, you know, we're paid to act. We're yeah. actors. Sometimes That's what we it, do. Sometimes it's maddening and you're kind of like, I want one director! I know. Yeah. And, uh, and, and uh, McHugh... You know you got it right because McHugh will go continue. Continue. That's when. You, <laughs> yeah. That's when you got it. You nailed oh, it. Because what he's oh, looking right. for is stuff to work with. You know, you you write a movie, not in this case, but usually you yeah, write a movie on the page. Say. You say it out loud. You edit it. The writing continues right up until the film is locked because in the edit you have all the visual language that you then put together. So McHugh yeah. wants every single piece that he it's can music, kind of... music, isn't it? Yeah. And then Eddie, the editor, rocks Simple. up and Eddie he goes... Eddie, the editor, back to his drunk. <laughs> he, he, actually is, he is actually called Eddie, one. isn't he? Yeah. Our editor yeah. is Eddie yeah. Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah. Genius. Yeah, classic. And he makes you look even more amazing than you are. I know, because we're right. rubbish. Well, you're already right. amazing. Wow, let's go. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Listen, thank you so much. This thank you, guys. Thank really you. brilliant. We could have chatted. Yeah. Mission in Podstable. Yeah, we go. No, Podstable. Podstable. In Mission in Hudstable. It's close. That's a slightly boring Mission in Huddersfield. Yes. I mean, yeah. You did shoot in Yorkshire, but anyway, yeah, we we've did. got to wrap up. Yes. We're literally doing this. Always yeah. too quick. Um, thank you very much. Yeah. That was awesome. Thank You're you. welcome. Thank you very much, Dave. Well, that was pretty spectacular. That was amazing. If you haven't seen yet, this was actually a filmed interview, and we made it into a fun little video, uh, which you can see on YouTube and some of the clips on Instagram. It's well worth a watch uh, it was tremendous fun uh, and also it was very nice to find out that two such talented people are actually very nice in person as well so yes absolutely fantastic so yeah i hope you enjoyed that it was only short but who cares yeah it was great right very sweet very sweet yeah and it was such a pleasure to chat to them both because they they've both made such a, a massive impact on the franchise and uh, as we said in the interview they, they really do bring a lot of heart to the films speaking of ace characters Mm. Uh, our third guest on the podcast this week is Eddie Hamilton. Eddie, um, it's amazing how Eddie got involved, actually, but some of his credits include Mean Machine, Swept Away, Resident Evil Apocalypse, DOA, Dead or Alive, Free Bird, Gone Fishing, Chris Jones is short. He also edited uh, Kick-Ass, which was an absolutely groundbreaking film at the time. Um, Event 15, The Loft, Kingsman, The Secret Service, Stowaway, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, Kingsman The Golden Circle, Mission Impossible Fallout, Top Gun Maverick, arguably one of the best edited films of the last 10 years, mm-hmm. and Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, and also Part 2. Um, but we won't see that for at least another year. What did we talk about with the fantastic Eddie? What will our amazing listeners get from this? We talked about working on Top Gun Maverick and how to create that incredible emotion and pace. We talked about troubleshooting story structure and cutting action scenes and also having a wealth of different performance choices from the top actors in the game on Mission Impossible. We also talk about how they worked with no script. I mean, it's hard enough trying to do that on an indie film. Imagine Mm. doing it on Mission Impossible, and that's how they work on these movies. We also talk about what it's like working on a timeline, why it's just a pile of ingredients, and why movies in post only come good in the last two weeks. So just to be aware, as a sort of fairly important disclaimer, there are spoilers in this podcast about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, so... Be aware that what you're getting into. Also, a huge shout out to Colin Gowdy, mm. fantastic editor in his own right, who gave us some really lovely questions. Um, we didn't get a chance to actually say that while we were recording, but Colin, mm. thank you. Right, let's get to it, shall we? Um, this is myself and Dom chatting to Eddie Hamilton, all about editing, not just Mission Impossible, not just Top Gun, but editing in general and how you can have a career doing it. This is fabulous. You're going to love it. Enjoy.
Hello, friends. Hello. Hello. Got something special for you here, Eddie. Go on, what have you got? There we go. Oh, very cool. Where did you get that? <laughs> Jane from Paramount gave it to us. Fantastic. <laughs> when we were doing all the uh, the Top Gun promotions. That's so, so good. Uh... I will tell you that this uh, hat I yeah. got at Le Mans at the real Top Gun. Right oh, at Le Mans, wow. the, the naval okay. A station, Le Mans. When I when we were filming there, I was mm. we were allowed to go into the actual Top Gun, and they have a little souvenir stall that they open like three mornings a week for people to buy stuff. That's extremely so. Exciting. And this is the original hat that Tom Cruise has in the original Top Gun. Like you see, it sitting on the bar at the end of the wow. you know, wow. first movie. So I had to get one of those. You Impressive. Know. Yeah, I'm I had to take to mine on. off now because it's very hot. <laughs> but... I'm very happy to be on, guys. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Both. Yeah, it's a real pleasure. I mean, obviously, look, your career is wonderful anyway, and we could get into your whole backstory, but there's so much we want to dive into because obviously you worked with Matthew Vaughan a lot and you'd yeah. worked in those circles a lot. You'd done X-Men and suddenly now you're doing Rogue Nation. How did it come about? They were yes. shooting in London. But... So, so it's interesting. I'd worked with Matthew, obviously... I mean, I first met Matthew in 2001 when I was working. I ended up working with him on Mean Machine, yes, which was a low budget movie. Well, it's six million pound budget, I think, with Vinnie Jones playing football in prison. Mm -hmm. And yep. I worked on that with him. Mm -hmm. And that led on to a kind of very long collaboration, really. Um, you know, it led on to Kick-Ass. It led on to X-Men First Class, which I worked on with Lee Smith, who's obviously a proper legendary editor. Mm. He had just done Inception when we did X-Men First Class. I was gutted when he didn't get get an Oscar nomination for that film. Mm. He And then straight after X-Men, he did The Dark Knight Rises. So he was right at that kind of the peak of the Nolan. And then obviously um, eventually got an Oscar for Dunkirk. But he... It was very interesting to collaborate with Lee Smith and see how he dealt with uh, the studio and with Matthew and how he what what he was amazing at is he would fast forward through the creative process and only like virtually always only put stuff on the timeline that he thought was actually going to make it into the movie. Mm. Um, he would be quite happy to, mm. you know, throw away loads of material if he was like, this is only a seven out of 10 or an eight out of 10. And if it's going to be in the movie, eventually it has to be just a 10 out of 10, you know, shot. Mm. If you're, if you're assessing shots as an editor, because I always leave things quite long. And then eventually when you're compressing and compressing and compressing and compressing, which is all you do as an editor after you, you've assembled something, which is unwatchable and very long and boring, quite frankly, you, your, your job is to, is to, compress it as much as possible um so that you're you're telling the maximum amount of story in the minimum amount of time while still making it comprehensible and you know geographically clear and the stakes and you care about the characters and and all that stuff but um he was very good at at, at not overloading his sequences to begin with which i you know learned a lot from and then I did Kingsman with Matthew. Mm. And when we were, and that, that was quite an interesting film because I did, um, I did work. I, I started six weeks before they started rolling cameras on that film because they filmed the skydive first, the skydive sequence in Kingsman. They filmed it. They filmed about, I'm, I'm thinking whether it was like six days of photography of skydiving. And then it took me about six weeks to edit it. Cause there was 15 hours. I remember 15 hours or so of footage. And then, and then I built a first pass of that skydiving scene, which I think is only about three minutes in the movie. Right. But then when we were doing the sound mix on uh, Kingsman, um, I remember my agent called me and said, they want to talk to you about doing Mission Impossible. And I was very confused because, you know, I had never done a film on my own of anything approaching that budget level. Yeah. And I thought, well, mm. quite honest. And also they were starting to film in two weeks. So, either a lot of other editors had said no or they'd left it to the last minute and they so they were they they just were desperate for somebody plus i was british so they didn't have to fly in an american plus i was very cheap because i hadn't done any big movies and so i'm i'm 99% certain that they were like let's give him a shot and he'll probably we'll probably have to replace him eventually with an american editor but let's just see how he does that that i never heard anyone say that that's just knowing producers mm. and and how they work and how they you know they they like to hire very experienced people and pay them very well because 
they know that the movie's in safe hands. And I do understand that as a producer, if you're dealing with such a significant investment, when you when you um, hire very experienced people, you, there's a certain security that comes with that. And so I do understand why the best people keep getting hired, you know. So, but I went in to meet Chris McQuarrie so, at uh, Leavesden Studios. Wow. This would have been in like summer 2014. And this and, is his first directing, you know, uh, of the Mission Impossible series, right? Yes. So he had done well. Jack right, Reacher. Yeah. Yes, with Tom. And he had done, uh, yeah. he had worked very closely on Ghost Protocol, as you've probably read, mm. you know. Yes. And for we months of rewrites on that with Brad Bird Spurred, and yeah. Tom Cruise. Yes. And he had done Valkyrie with Tom. And it was actually mm. Valkyrie that led it, led into Ghost Protocol, as I understand it. Yes. Um, and there was no script. So all I could do is... He had a lot mm. of images of like the Taurus and the Vienna Opera House and things. He had mm -hmm. like concept art on the wall. And I remember like having a chat with him and asking if he was going to film anything on IMAX, you know, 70 millimeter IMAX 15 birth. And he was like, we've done some tests and we're not sure. And um, uh, in the end, it was cost prohibitive, I think, really to do that. But they uh, we we chatted and, you know, I. I, I'm a real movie nerd. Like I've lived and breathed movies since the age of eight. I'm super passionate about the audience experience on the big screen. It's it's my church going to the movies. Mm. And so that kind mm. of enthusiasm, I think, uh, goes quite a long way when you meet somebody. They really like enthusiastic people who, who are um, committed to excellence and share the same passion for filmmaking that they do. And it's interesting when you meet a kindred spirit like that, it's almost an unspoken connection of just like, okay, we're both movie nerds and we can respect each other on that level, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's quite fun. Uh, and anyway, that I had a meet, I, I suppose I chatted to him for 90 minutes and then <laughs> a feature length chat. Yeah, it was, yes. it was quite a long chat. And I had a little tour. I took me to my art department and, and so I got to see a little bit of what was going on. And obviously I was thinking, well, they're never going to hire me for this. You know, it, it's amazing to be considered, but they're never going to hire me for this. Mm. And then I, they, they, came, they provided me with a car to drive me back into central London from, from Leavesden Studios. And 10 minutes into the journey, my phone rang and Ben Rosenblatt, who was the post supervisor at Bad Robot, called me and he said, so they really like you. Can you start on Monday? And I was like, what? what are you offering me this job this is insane he says there's one catch which is we've already hired the assistant editors because we had to hire people because it was getting down to the wire and so we've hired people that we know and so i was kind of parachuted into a ready-made team which you know was fine and they were all terrific and mm. we had a great time working on it ultimately and that was my first kind of experience to chris mcquarrie's genius as a storyteller mm -hmm. and a filmmaker because rogue nation um initially i was when i was sort of putting like sketching the movie that's what i call it a first assembly i call it a sketch it was quite long and quite confusing and a lot of the first half didn't make sense and there were a lot of scenes that i wasn't i didn't get i was like i'm not sure where this is going and i don't know really where to focus the edit so i i, I was like quite worried about the film mm. you know because i'd never experienced something where uh you know they are um rewriting the script on a daily basis based on everything they've learned about the production and the characters and everything they're they're discovering along the way and um so so it was all that that experience was very new for me anyway chris mccrory sat down and we looked at the first scene and he said, let's take a look at this. And we recut the first scene in an hour mm -hmm. and it was a thousand percent better. And I was like, wow. But what's interesting is he rejected about two thirds of his own coverage because he didn't like it. And he used mm. like the last three setups to cut the whole scene. Huh. And I had tried to kind of incorporate a lot of the coverage that he had shot, you know. Yeah. And, and, but he, right? in yeah. his mind, he had like been discovering the scene as he went and then he found it in like the last two or three setups and in his mind he'd already rejected you know the first few setups and so we recut the scene and it was 
incredible like it was an an eye-opening experience but also he would throw out lines of dialogue and rewrite lines and you know it, it, it it's an organic process editing with chris and he because he's the writer he uh he can just you know say i know let's just cut out the first half of the scene and take the, the the lines from here and move them earlier and bounce off this reaction and focus the scene more from this character's point of view and do this, do that, add add a couple of extra lines. Let's go and pick up a close-up of this and a close-up of that. And he would he transformed it in like an hour and a half. And I I was just there in awe. Like I was doing a little bit because I was calling up the shots and in you know reviewing stuff with him and and I have a system I built up where I, I create massive line strings, which is quite common with editors. But it means that on your timeline, you have uh, different video tracks. And on each track, there's a different setup. So and for each line of dialogue, you've got all the options stacked up. So you can go, here's the first line of dialogue that Tom Cruise says. And you've got like the coverage on this character with Tom off screen, the coverage on that character with Tom off screen, the wide shot, the medium, the over, the close. So you've got every single option of that line from Tom Cruise. And he's very thorough. We do go through it all because, you know, in, in Chris's mind, there is no script. So he kind of like writes a rough outline of the scene on the morning that they shoot it. Yeah. And then they discover it during as they're shooting. It's almost like documentary making. In, in, it has elements of that, doesn't it? You've got a, 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 an incredible storytelling genius at steering the ship. Mm. in a direction and if he doesn't like it he will just slightly course correct or slightly course correct and 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 steer it but he kind of has a destination in mind you know he has a feeling that he wants to create but he does very much um rely on the the actors that he casts to to feed into the characters that he discovers the antagonists um for for ethan hunt and you know the allies for ethan um, like Hayley Atwell's character in Dead Reckoning Part One, she had done like a hundred days of principal photography before she even knew the name of the character. And <laughs> then the first scene that we did, the first dialogue yeah. scene that she did, which had anything to do about her backstory at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I assume you guys have seen the film now, right? Yeah, of course. Okay, so it. the scene is the scene in the library, you yeah, know, in yeah. the in the Rome Library where Ethan and Grace first sort of have a proper sit down and a chat, mm -hmm. and they, they that was filmed at senate house at the university of london right right in central oh, london right. and wow. they there's a beautiful library there and they um they managed to film the wide shots of which none of them are in the film because chris doesn't like wide shots that much but they also filmed all of tom's coverage but they didn't film Haley's coverage because they ran out of time that day so they right. rebuilt the corner of the set with Haley <laughs> eight months <laughs> later and they filmed the second <laughs> half of the dialogue scene eight months later when she eventually got to do all her acting about her character you know all that stuff about her backstory you know mm. and uh so so for her she had to embrace this and i did sit down and, and like have a chat with her at the beginning and go vanessa kirby felt like this and fallout she was really at sea and was very unsure of herself as an actress because she was like, I have no idea if what I'm doing is any good. I don't understand what I'm doing. And it's interesting. She discovered this kind of delicious, uh, kind of flirtatious vibe with Tom. Mm. The first scene of Vanessa Kirby filmed was the scene in Fallout where they're standing by the River Seine. The river, their first meeting, right? Yes. Yeah, that, that yeah. was the scene that they did. And, and, and Rebecca Ferguson is stood on the bridge in the background. And the last shot is her kind of turning and walking off. And and i remember it took a while but on this film vanessa kirby was totally relaxed and happy to play and give us all kinds of variety of performance and then and and i i think when i said to Haley, look we we are not we're only going to put great stuff in the film you have to trust us and you have to play and you have to feel totally safe you can try anything you want but we will create we will find and discover and and um uh, really carve a, a a a precise character for you so when you eventually see it it will all just feel natural and normal like it was meant to be and she got on board with that quite quickly and and actually enjoyed the process but it was you know she was you know we were on set for 
I mean, we were filming bits of part two as well, but you know, mm. we we were rolling cameras for like uh, you know two years or something on and off. So <laughs> it was a long you, time, a really so long you, shoot. You, but you've seen the film, and it's a very yeah. ambitious, very complicated film. Yeah, with yeah. Not, there's not a single easy sequence in the entire no, movie. No, and no, so no. it's like a really, really detailed jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. which is why it takes so long to film all these tiny little pieces of coverage on all the actors and, or, or, you know, every little and everything Chris McCrory directs. He never, he never punts it to a second unit ever, you know? No, it's incredible. How do you keep your focus during that time? So let's say that scene, for instance, in the library, you're talking about you, yeah. that l- length of time before you get yeah. to do Haley's scene. How do you keep your concentration to jump back into it? So, so the thing is, I, I'm very thorough when I break down the footage. And so I did a thorough pass of all of Tom's coverage and I built the scene using the kind of wide shot as, as Haley's angle, or sometimes I would just put a black card and a, a black mm. slate and I'd put a card saying close up grace. Um, and so I had already kind of built half of the scene on the timeline and I'd got a sketch of what I thought were all of Tom's best takes. Uh, and, and the other thing I do is I stack up options so when I'm not sure about something, I will go, well, I think this one is probably what they're after, but then here's four other options underneath. So in a hurry, if Chris McCrory goes, what else did you pick? I can go, well, there's this and there's this and there's this and there's this. And he might go, okay, that gives me an idea. Let's put that one in, but then for now, and then let's go through and keep going to the end of the scene. And then let's come back and let's take another look at that line and see if there's a slightly better delivery. But now we know the intonation that we're after, you know, or, yeah. or the emotional um, underpinning that, that we're trying you, to create for the audience. But I am super thorough. Do you, do you find that you're often on the same page as Christopher? I mean, I mean, talking about Rebecca Ferguson, Vanessa Kirby, uh, I mean, two are literally the most talented actresses in the world. Like they give you like, anything you want, emotionally full, like, uh, brilliant performances. Yeah. But both also of them Hayley incredible. Atwell on this one. Yeah. Yeah. So, so do you do you find sometimes it's it's difficult to know what Christopher's thinking, or you're you're sort of leaning towards performance and its story you need? The thing is that I lean into the process of everything is fluid, and I know full well that that I will sketch something on the timeline so that we have something to react to, even if it's completely wrong. And Chris goes, "We're going to turn left, and you've turned right," because he even if he was sitting with me. He wouldn't know because he hasn't filmed the rest of the film yet. You know, Mm. in his mind, production is gathering ingredients for the process of cooking, which is editing. You know, so if you just have a pile of ingredients sitting on the table, what, you know, you could make a curry or you could make a stew or you could make a, you know, a a pasta. You know, it's like, what do you what do you want? Anything you want. And so he is like, I don't actually know what I want. I just know that I found it like. In my mind, we have it in here somewhere. And what whatever you think it is and what I think, whatever I think it is, we will discover something else in the process of editing the film. And again, we, we don't cut any corners. We we literally comb through the footage every single take. We, we don't we don't speed through it at all because really that's where the movie comes to life. And and even once we've got a first pass, we recut every scene a hundred times you know even after that and as we're as we're refining each you know micro emotional beat in the movie to get it as precise and perfect as it can be so that when the audience watch the film it is effortless and your eye is guided around the frame and your hand is held emotionally so you're in the character's point of view you can feel what the character's feeling that's the holy grail and and it takes it just takes forever to get that like really good and i mean like and and quite often same with top gun actually the movie is very good for quite a long time but it doesn't become like excellent until the last couple of weeks sometimes Mm. after like two years of work you know Mm. it's the very fine details that really make it like click and and bring things into focus and we discovered some things quite late even on dead reckoning part one that really made quite a significant difference to the audience's um, perception of pace and uh, emotion maybe yeah i mean it's always about pace really because right. if the pace is perfect then you've got no notes mm. with editing you're always trying to get to get a 
as perfect a pace from beginning to end as you can, which is, you know, incredibly difficult. And making sure that when you test the film and you show the film to audiences, that people are not going, well, that felt a bit long, which they did in a lot of this movie, you know, the desert in the Rome car chase in the in the train sequence at the, I mean there was a lot of places where they went oh it just kind of went on a bit long like we've seen Tom Cruise driving a BMW before it's a bit long but we and we we ended up cutting out quite a lot of that chase and ended up with a really tight compact version which it's kind of almost over by the time it started and the audience is like wait wait you know mm-hmm. you're you're leaving them wanting more which was always yes. what Tom Cruise said he said you've got to leave them wanting more um, apart from right at the end of the movie when they've got to feel like they've had a full meal. But at yes. no point in, you don't want to stuff them too full. I'm loving the all these food analogies. Yeah, like. Otherwise yeah. they won't they won't <laughs> be able to appreciate the next course because they'll feel full. So we were really judicious about, you know, combing through and stripping out non-essential shots, which obviously felt essential when they filmed them. But yes. then in the fullness of time, you know what it's like. It, it yeah. stuff comes out uh, for the greater good. And it's so interesting because sometimes you, like you say, you don't need those things that you paid so much attention to and spent ages yeah. doing. But how do you balance that moment then between knowing when the audience needs to rest and have that little moment? Because I loved this film and I was on the edge of my seat throughout the Thank whole you, thing. Thank you, I was dying for a week and I thought, oh, do you know what? There might be a quiet bit. I might be able to nip off. And every single time I was like, no, no, I need to be in yeah. here because this worked is important on that, and that, interesting. Like McHugh... He was like, I'm going to dare them to go and pee from yeah, all the way through the movie. I'm going to dare them to go. I'm I didn't want to miss anything. To go. Yeah, you don't want to miss anything. And Jaws is bladder you know, on the we, line. We would be yes. very careful with the way that we would use music cues. Like <laughs> the tradition, the transition from Rome to Venice is a place mm. where a lot of audiences would get up for a pee because they were like, okay, the car chase is finished and yeah. we're going to Venice now and there's going to be some chat before they yes, get into the next exciting bit. Something. So I'm going off to pee. Mm. And so... What what McHugh did brilliantly is he he had this music cue, which built up over Tom walking out of the subway. You know, Ethan walks out of the subway holding the steering wheel. He gets in the van with Benji, <laughs> and then the music starts to tickle and get you excited, and it starts to tickle and it starts to tickle, and then it comes in hard over Venice, and you're like, "God, it's cool! It's Mission Impossible! I it's love this cool. shit! Yeah. I'm just gonna, I have to, I'm not gonna pee because I want to just see these these great establishing shots, and then and then yeah. literally you cut to Simon Pegg putting the laptop down and going, "Now it's the White Widow, and she put a price on your head in Paris, and you're like, oh shit! Now we're back in, oh." Oh, I can't miss uh-huh. this. I've got to stay a bit. This is important information. I need. Yeah, to know. I know. Yeah. I know. So, so he he's constantly um, finding the balance there, and it's it's yeah. always almost always to do with music and how what the music is signifying to the audience. Um, so, but again, people say the film moves very fast, and it does. Yeah. But we also take our time where we need to, so that things land for the audience the way they need to as well. How do you approach the the emotional scenes? Because obviously we've been talking about pace, but yeah. for people to care about, you know, as we've sort of discussed yeah. with Christopher, people to care about the pacing and the action, etc. Yeah. They've got to care about the characters. Yes. How do you manage to make those things land whilst not losing them? Listen, if you don't care about the characters, nothing matters. And and mm. it, it, it takes, it can take some filmmakers quite a while to, actually realize that you know we've all seen some quite experienced well filmmakers who who've just put their foot on the gas too hard through the movie Mm. and so you're very confused and not attached and it's a pro it's a side effect of maybe too many studio notes or they're just impatient with their own film or whatever or or the, the stuff just isn't there and they're just trying to cut through it as quickly as possible because they don't have the goods or whatever but we are constantly aware of that and you know we take time to introduce characters and we take time to um for you to connect with but it's sometimes it doesn't take much either sometimes it can actually be quite a small moment but you know when ethan and grace first meet in the airport it's a long scene you know when he's doing the stuff with the key and you know are you in or you're out and she's like you expect me to put it back and all that it's quite a long scene and we do like when they first bump into each other and they look at each other, we really take our time there. And, and she's like, Oh, I get it. You didn't, you know, you thought I was someone else. I'm not interested. You know, that, that is, there's quite a long beat there, but it's an essential beat. And so, and let me, I'll I'll be honest with you. The scenes all start out very long because we, 
we give every moment in every scene all the dramatic weight that we think it might need. Uh, so the scenes start out with a lot of pauses, a lot of dramatic pauses where we want the audience to feel something landing. But in the process of watching that, I've seen the film 700 times. I'm not exaggerating. Mm, uh, uh, when you when you <laughs> but in pieces, you know, like yeah. each scene, yeah. Which, yeah. you know, in a day, we might watch one scene 50 or 60 times because we're going mm. through it, you know, over yeah. and over again. And we're peeling through it and we're looking at every moment and every reaction and we're going Maybe we can tighten this. And there's, there's a point in the editing process where you're literally trying to get as much air out of the movie as possible and just compress it as much as you can. Because this movie started out, I mean, over four hours long, which is way too long, you know, without an intermission. Gone with the Wind is four hours, but you had an intermission, mm. so it's okay. You know, but <laughs> nowadays you can't do that. And so we never thought we'd get the film down to two hours 36, which is what it is now. Mm. And... Which felt no. quite lean, actually. Yeah, no, no. Still I'm I'm lean. thrilled that you say that. You know, like Spider-Verse is a long movie. Guardians was a long movie. Mm, yeah. Indies a long movie. Um, mm. I don't know how long. Well, Oppenheimer is three hours. We know that. I don't know how long Barbie mm. is. But there's a lot of <laughs> long movie or... around at the moment. And so yeah. uh, The Flash was quite long, actually. I saw that on Sunday. And that was like two hours, 20 as well. well not gone in The Flash. No, no but I did, no, no. I did. I actually loved it. So w- what happens when you're editing is, there will yep. come a time where the scene gets too tight and mm-hmm. and it just whizzes by and there's no emotion. Yes, you've hacked into it too much. Yes. We've, uh, we've gone too far now. Yeah. And you get mm. to that point with every scene and then you go, okay, we've gone too far. Now we need to just go, we need to just put back six frames here and eight frames there, four frames there. And then we watch it and we're like, okay, now the scene is as tight as it can be, but it still has emotion where we need it to have. You know, so and we go through every shot in the movie like that. And no exaggeration, just hundreds of times we go through the film because Chris and Tom know that um, they they want to make mass entertainment that has a chance of having a decades long shelf life. You know, you know, a modern classic. If, you know, God willing, not not every film turns out like that, even though, you know, no one sets out to make a bad film, obviously. Of course. But but to have the weird, strange chemistry of filmmaking, which results in certain films becoming classics that you do not just forget about. And you're like, mm. you actually quite like rewatching in the years coming, you know, mm. and people are still watching the original Top Gun. Yeah. People are still watching Gone with oh, the yeah. Wind. You know, yes. like, like, like yeah. there's probably the a, a 5,000 TVs in the world right now with Gone with the Wind showing, you know. I think for me, so much of it is about the the supporting characters that give the films the heart because yes. obviously you, you've you've got to have the Tom Cruise, you've got to have the hero like driving it forward. He's, he's yeah. the you know the train or the helicopter or, or whatever. Yes, but it's those side characters that have these quirks and charms and yes. th- those emotional hooks that they they stick with you and they're poignant. Yeah, I agree with you. It's those little moments between the characters which are great fun. And then of course, when you're with Grace, you know, on the train. Oh yes. Um, yeah. You don't see Vanessa Kirby. You see Grace. It's amazing. Yeah, it, it, uh, yeah. That that really threw me actually. It you really know what I mean? Me. It's really yeah. crazy because you you feel yeah. connected to mm, yeah. Haley Atwell. You know, not mm. Vanessa Kirby in mm. a weird way because Vanessa is so good at yep. kind yeah. of doing. Hey, do you see what I mean? Um, yeah, and yeah. the eye thing as well. Yeah, Keeping I didn't know if yeah. you noticed that. That's very smart. Yeah, I yeah, noticed we did, yeah. that we yeah, changed we her yeah. eyes to brown. Yeah, yeah. which yeah. is obviously one of those things that you can only do on a movie with a gigantic budget, where you're like, mm. let's just make her eyes brown in every shot. Yeah. Where she's, you know, doing that <laughs> rather than putting lenses in beforehand. Yeah, contact lenses or just not doing anything. You know, exactly. Let's talk about action then, because cutting that, you know, Top Gun, for instance, is a perfect yeah. example. Mm. But keeping it on mission, maybe. Or sure. Feel free to go between the two. But that train scene, for example. Yeah. You know. It was stunning. You know, we're literally mm. going, oh, you know, there's someone yeah. next to Dom literally throwing a popcorn. She was literally like gasping. It was like she was in the train, every explosion. Yeah. Uh, like at the end was like hyperventilating. Like yeah, that's yeah. How, how into the scene. Yeah. And that's what you want from the audience. Yeah. So how, yeah. Do you, how do you go about cutting that? And what's, what's the process behind a, a brilliant action scene? Okay, so it, it stakes always and, and caring for the characters. That's all that matters. It's like, what happens if they succeed? What happens if they don't succeed? You have to understand that before you get into the sequence, right? And then a bit and a little tiny Easter egg for you. Um, yeah. I wonder if, when is this? 
I mean, this is this is really inside baseball. But when um, Gabriel is is going, Ethan, you know, when we cut yeah. to the train and the whistle, the yeah. and he's holding the lighter, yeah. that is actually Tom Cruise doing doing Isai Morales at that point because Tom no. was like, "This is exactly what I want it to sound like." And yeah. so he just he just did it one day. Uh, and, he just done the line. Classic. He just did the yeah. line because and because he this is this is how he wanted the emotion to come across. That's amazing. So that that was quite fun. But yes. um, so uh, yeah. So the point scene. is that that you that they then you see them, Ethan and Grace coming out of the locomotive and going down to the mm. coal tender and starting to do something. And you're like, what? Are, I'm I'm imagining the audience doesn't quite know, but they're with them because they love these two characters. Mm. And then eventually you see that they're decoupling the, the locomotive so that the, that it will continue to to you know just speed yeah. along the tracks and then the rest of yeah. the train car will slow down and everyone will survive and also ethan says to briggs and dagar on the roof of the train he says uh you have to do exactly what i say or everyone on this train is going to die something like that yeah. Yeah. and so you know that ethan has a plan and then everyone the moment that the brakes engage the air brakes you're like okay i know what ethan and grace are doing now they're trying to stop the train so that everyone survives but and then the then <laughs> The, the train carriage doesn't stop and then they're climbing up, but you're so invested in them surviving. Mm -hmm. And also you've seen them, Gabriel, lock the door earlier. Yes. Because the entity's yeah, yeah, told yeah. them what's That's going to happen. So you it. That, that yeah. was deliberate. So deliberate deliberate anxiety setting earlier. Yeah. Tiny setups where the camera yeah. pushed in on the lock to earlier in the scene are now mm -hmm. paying off deliciously. And the time when Grace runs through the kitchen, right? Yes. We deliberately yep. had a shot of her running through the kitchen and you were like, why is she running through a kitchen? And then, of course, it's at the other out. end, you're like, oh, my mm -hmm. God, they've got to go through the kitchen. Get and there's the all girl. this oil and like it's all like shit. Burning. And this is awful. Yeah. And the scene again, all the scenes started out much longer, much longer, like twice as long. And they just went on too long. And, you know, so we ended up literally cutting them down, down to the absolute bare minimum like to the frame of what you needed to feel excited there was a whole section so then they they come out of the car and she's on fire and then they slide down the carriage then there's the zero g moment where everyone goes oh you know where ethan yeah. and grace yeah. like uh -huh. fly up in zero g and that again was tom going everyone loves a zero g moment we've got to get that in there <laughs> God, it's and, wrong. <laughs> you know and then and it and it, he's it, a smart it, guy it, that tom <laughs> yeah i know it really works but then when they landed there was then a whole nother bit of action in that car, but it went on too long. So we just cut to them like coming out and running into the final car, the blue carriage, mm. which is where the furniture slides. And then there's the grand piano, which is just like, and also if you've paid attention, you can hear a piano playing earlier in the movie. Like yeah, we, yeah, yeah. The, the white widow walks past the woman playing the piano yeah. and then Briggs and Dagar are having a chat. So we've, and interestingly, if you listen, the piano is playing, I've got you under my skin, the Cole Porter oh. song. Which mm. is like the White Widow, the mask, and do you see what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. it's all it's all just a, a little nod there. But we're setting up the piano like forty minutes earlier, so that when the grand piano is hanging above them, you're like, oh my god, it's the piano! Yes. How, how are yeah. they ever going to get out of this? Oh my god! And then the great there's a great piece of again like behave character behavior where Ethan goes, do you trust me? And Grace shakes her head, which she they says, discovered yeah. on the set. They literally mm. were playing with the scene and she said, I've got an idea. I'm just going to do something fun. And she, Ethan said, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And she just shook her head. And literally the whole crew started laughing. You can hear on the take, everyone's laughing. And then he's like, no, no, no. Do you trust me? And then she shakes her, she nods. And then he turns around. And that, that tiny moment of humor does so much for the audience because they're so stressed at that point. And then mm. they laugh. And everyone, there's a it's moment a where everyone just yeah. relaxes for a bit. And then the tension just starts to crank up again as he's like begging her to jump across and the thing's giving way, you know, all yeah. that. It's just like all that. proper Mission Impossible suspense, well, it's fun it's stuff. Perfect. So, you know. so do you edit it the same way you would like a dialogue scene? Do you go, all right, let's put this through story beat? For the action, I'm trying to find the most dynamic piece of action yeah. and the most interesting, uh, you know, shots with the, with the best composition and the best speed and the best dynamics and then when i'm going through performance for like a chat between ethan and grace like that i'm i'm just i'm i'm trying to find the moments of truth in their characters you know the, 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 Haley did an amazing job of 
like you really feel that she's terrified in that moment mm. genuinely yeah. and yeah. so your job as an editor is to find those tiny moments where the actor is a hundred percent truthful in their performance mm. and um ultimately it's editing is about simply about storytelling and how do you want to manipulate the audience's emotions with every single cut that you have in the movie from beginning to end? Like what new information are you giving the audience and how is that changing their emotional connection to what they've just experienced before? And, you know, you're, you're, you're constantly trying to build a kind of roller coaster graph of like peaks and troughs so that it's not kind of at one level all the time. It's got a variety because variety is the key to, to, to freshness you know mm. um and so we're constantly trying to to use this the pace of the cuts and the number of close-ups that we use and how the sound is mixed so that you know there's variety in the intensity of the sound mix where we use music so you'll notice in the piano bit in fact in in the whole scene with the the train cars going over there's no score at all mm. um in fact the score stops uh when um the score stops when ethan i'm trying to think i think it's when ethan when gabriel falls off the truck i think that's where the score stops anyway it falls off into the truck i mean and then we we the, it's totally dry even the shots of the bridge with the little counted countdown is just literally the mm. sound of the beep 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 yeah. and then the distant whistle of the train and so we lean heavily on no score so that you have your ears have a break because it's been pounding score all the way through the fight before that i think that's one of the biggest mistakes a lot of filmmakers make um and it sort of comes back to what you were talking about earlier with action uh and 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 also with performance and and score and and everything is thinking that more is more and actually like a two minute action sequence where there's one moment where the characters are really in it and there's like one or two stunts that are shown clearly and they're done very very well is infinitely better than 15 minutes of just chaos 100%. and shaky cam and, and, and yeah. you know, crazy. Yeah. I mean, we, we quite often do start off long, but we're very disciplined about, yeah. about getting it to the length where it is just a, and it's a perfect course, mm. you know, or it's a perfect, um, it's a perfect, you know, seasoning, you know, at that part of the mm. movie of just what you need. Yeah. And, you know, and, and then, so the music, all the way through the piano, there's no music. And then the piano crashes down and then Ethan says, don't look down. And they start, there's, there's a shot of the um, cup, decoupler giving way. Then there's, then oh, yeah, yeah. Starts, and then it builds all the way through to, to with them hanging there, which, you know, again, that was much, much longer originally loads longer. And we, we had options where grace was, th- we had options of that scene where grace had made the decision to let Ethan live and she was going to die. And she was like, let me go, let me go. You have the key you've got to do. And so she was literally telling Ethan, you have to let me go because we're both going to die. And I, I want you to survive, you know? So there was all kinds of emotions that we were playing with there, but in the end, we just, we just kept it very positive. Like Ethan was never going to give up and he was always trying to hold on to her. And she was trying to like get foothold, but then you could slowly Mm. see that he was giving way and that, but and you're thinking, how are they ever going to get out of this? And then, of course, you have that delicious reveal at the end, which I won't yes. spoil just in yes. case people haven't seen the film. Yeah. But it's yeah. it's yeah. again one of those things where you go, yes, I didn't. I, I, oh, yes. that's so good. Yeah. I'm so pleased that that character is still yeah. there. And and it's yeah, helped... I thought I thought she was a goner. I know exactly. And <laughs> yes. you're, even though she is a literal mass murderer in the film, you're like yeah. really happy to see her back because. She's so but a likable she's one. so cool. Yeah. And she's got like amazing fashion sense, you know? Yeah. Was, there, very much was so. there was there was there any moments that you really fought for in the in the movie that, you know, as a sort of an editor, maybe because obviously as a, as a filmmaker, you've got one kind of vision of the film, maybe how you saw it initially and, and how you were sort of on the on the shoot. As an editor, you've got something that's subjective. Yeah. Maybe you have a different perspective. Were there any scenes where you like really said uh, you know, fought your corner and said, I, I really think this should go to in? Be honest, or I really there are moments where i was like i said to chris this has to go because i'm Mm. and and he would fight to keep them which he's the director and he has every right to do whatever he likes right i i never Mm. if he wants to feel the movie with stuff in let's do it it's like i never fight it but there was a were a couple Mm. of scenes like in literally the last two weeks where i was going this this has to go and we're making a deleted uh a deleted images reel for the blu-ray where you'll see a lot of this stuff 
like and you'll see little bits of scenes that we lifted out wholesale it's just to music there's no dialogue and we did the same on fallout i don't know if you guys have seen the fallout one but there was a whole scene in the in the grand palais in fallout where uh henry cavill so walker august walker his character's name was and ethan hunt are, are trying to get down to the dance floor and they end up having to do this gigantic swing in the grand palais it was very impressive but it yeah. it was just four minutes of mm. screen time that we couldn't afford to have but and so usually i'm the one who's who's suggesting that we cut stuff out as a way of reducing mm. the running time um some and sometimes i'm saying put stuff in and I'm wrong. And Chris right. goes, do you know what? Mm. I think we can lose it. And then the audience doesn't bump on it and we're fine. You know, so, yes, yes that does happen. Yeah. What about tips uh, for directors working with editors or the other way around editors working with directors from your point of view? OK, it, I, I, honestly, the best tip I can give everybody is that to, to everybody to understand that editing is a process and like anything creative, it starts off very average and sometimes poor okay any first draft of a script or usually the first take of any setup anything that you do first is maybe one percent of the time there's some magic there but most of the time you're still finding your way through whatever it is you're doing and every director when they watch a first assembly feels physically sick because <laughs> yeah. the movie is so far from anything <laughs> yeah. that they wanted all right yeah and that is yeah. David Lean felt like that. You know, Steven Spielberg feels like that. Every James Cameron feels like that. But they know to trust the process and they know that you've got to get to work and start finding the movie, the best movie that exists in the footage, because it might be different to what was thought of on the page or on the set. Right. And you've got to keep working at it and don't try and shortcut things. Just do the work and really interrogate and confront every moment in the film. And I buy every moment, I mean, literally every shot and then down to every frame eventually and yeah. look at every emotional beat that you're creating, um, you know, that, that that culminates in scenes and then sequences and then the whole movie and and make sure that you are that, that everything is clear. It's not too long um, that um, the audience is feeling what you hope they're feeling from beginning to end. And, and embrace the testing process of showing your movie to a cold audience and then listen to what they say. Never deny it because it's their opinion and it's correct because it's their it's their truth for how they saw the film and listen to it. And if it's uncomfortable and it always is because you always think, shit, they didn't get that. I really hope they had got that. And what are we going to do? Just stay calm. Trust the process. Take some time. Think about what you can do. There's usually an editorial solution. If there isn't, shoot some pickups, mm. you know, figure out a way to maybe add a couple of extra lines of dialogue to clarify something elegantly. But that that's my main tip, really, mm. is just is just trust the process yeah. and and give yourself enough time to really focus on the post-production of the movie. And, um, you know, you won't have got it right on the page and you won't have got it right on the set. That's just a fact. It's like we're all human and creativity. Uh, I'm pretty sure James Cameron is still discovering stuff on his on Avatar, you know, in the last two weeks sure. of the edit yeah. after seven years of editing. Yeah, that's how long those movies take seven years. Yeah. Um, wow. So so, you know, the greatest filmmakers have to confront their work and yeah. admit when it's not great and and fix it if you want the movie to to work for as many people as possible mm. um so that's basically that's basically yeah. it um d don't expect to have all the answers you know trust the process and enjoy the ride and stay calm and it will all work out eventually and, and trust the people around you Trust the people around you. Yeah, exactly. Trust your collaborators. Yeah. This has been an enormous pleasure yeah. and we absolutely loved the movie and uh, and all of the, the ones you've been I'm involved so, in. I'm so, so grateful. You know, after three years of really hard work, yeah, it's enormously it's enormously gratifying to hear that, that people like you guys, you know, people who love movies really enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. And that just makes me so happy. So thank you yeah. so much. And, and Top Gun in a, in a big way. Definitely like one of my my absolute, like last year, that was that was the one for me. That was I'm the so one. pleased. We can absolutely do a conversation about Top Gun another time. Mm, I've got okay, like yeah. back to back interviews on this movie at the moment. But yeah, yeah, I'm, course, I'm yeah. happy to do a kind of retrospective like, 
you know, we, we, like a couple of years have gone by and you want to have a chat about it or yeah, whatever it idea. is that you want to do. I can tell you about, you know, losing and being Oscar nominated and losing on the night, which is a strange cocktail of emotions. But this was perfectly edited. It, it was. It really was. Bless yeah. you. Bless you. It was a team effort, but that's very kind. But yeah. so I wasn't expecting to win. But there's still like five percent of you that thinks, well, you never know. I, I probably should have. I, I don't forget to thank Tom Cruise and my wife. You know what I mean? So yeah. there we go. Yes. <laughs> anyway. There you go. Yeah. Well, listen, thank you so much for joining us on the Filmmakers Podcast, Top Man. Pleasure, top pleasure, top pleasure. Perfect. <laughs> Wonderful. Right. Amazing. Thanks, team. Thank you. Catch you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So there we have it. That's Eddie Hamilton. What a guy. Eddie, the editor. Wow. <laughs> That was like the hottest, hottest all of us in our rooms on a baking summer day interview probably in history. Yes. It was, that was, it that really was is yeah. steaming. Um, so listen, thank you so much for yeah. listening. Not as hot as Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, which you should go and see at the cinema right now. You really should. It's amazing. Mm. I'm going to go catch that extra special performance where they're showing it on the side of... Mm. What's, what did he call it's, it? It's uh, called, what, it's called the um, Screen X. It's at Cineworld uh, and basically it's X. like the sides have stuff sort of going in your peripheral vision um and it's it's quite crazy i, I saw top gun uh with it and it's it's uh <laughs> it's pretty outrageous yeah it's good it's good <laughs> i'm gonna go watch that i can't wait honestly i loved it i love this movie mm. i've always loved mission impossible so for me yeah. this is an absolute joy to sit with the filmmakers mm. and chat about it so i hope you've enjoyed our deep dive into our mission impossible here mm. not only with christopher Macquarie last week the whole hour special if you've not listened to that go listen to it and this one with the amazing simon peg Rekka ferguson and of course hamilton mission uh, impossible yes indeed go out there make your films yeah. believe in yourself yeah. it can happen uh, get writing those scripts. Get meeting people. It will happen. And believe in it. And it is not Mission Impossible. It is possible. You can make films. Um, so, till next Tuesday, if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well, it is your duty to... It is your duty to... <laughs> Go on, send the train. It's your duty to send that... <laughs> no, no, let me do it. Send the train it is your duty to send... <laughs> it is your duty to send that train crashing over the side of the exploding bridge all the way back down <laughs> for the next person and in that time hopefully you've made a couple of films and passed on that glorious information you've learnt along the way till then beautiful people take care exactly bye bye